Welcome back to the Jake's Take Sports Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Willard Athletic Director and former Major League Baseball pitcher Joe Crawford, um, and we talk about his baseball story. Everybody who plays the sport, plays any sport, has a story of kind of how they fell in love with the, the sport they, they chose to play. Um, and Joe Crawford is no different. He fell in love with the, with the game of baseball, and it, it took him places. Uh, so we sit down and kind of get his thoughts on his entire baseball journey, and we take a trip back in time, which is a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun to listen to him talk about the history that, that he has with the game and, and where it's taken him. And, and we, uh, he, he also was a uh, assistant coach uh, in, in the major leagues at, with the Milwaukee Brewers for 13 seasons. Uh, so, we're, so I talked to him about, you know, kind of what it's like to, to sit around during spring training and he's, he's, not, he's not down in Arizona or in Florida anymore. Um, as he, he retired as a coach to come home to Willard and, and watch his uh, two daughters play high school basketball and, and excel in, in different sports. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun talking to Joe Crawford and uh, very thankful that he shared his story with us and a uh, very, very fun guy and one of the, one of the better guys in this, in, in all of high school athletics. So enjoy this one. First off, just tell me your, your baseball story. I did a little bit of research. You're one of the only people I know that has a Wikipedia page. But, um, yeah, your, your baseball story kind of from beginning to end. Okay, well, um, I don't know if you want to start at the very, very, very right. beginning. <laughs> right. um, the very beginning is the town I grew up in, Hillsboro, Ohio, had an unbelievable baseball, softball, recreation facility. Summer nights, that's where everybody was. Right. Um, but I was little, and we used to drive by, and I'd hear my other, like, first grade, second grade boys talking about it. I talked my mom into stopping by one night, and she said, okay, but if you start running around, we're leaving. <laughs> so we went to the very first field we saw, and it was a C-League field, which would be the youngest kids, and a lady from church, that um, son was playing, and really nice lady, and she's like, oh, they'll put him on a team. And uh, I begged and begged and begged. So... They put me on the best team, and I played the last inning. I played left field. My first game ever, I came running in because we won, and everybody celebrates at the mound. So I go running in, totally tripped where it goes. The grass becomes dirt, <laughs> fell, got all dirty, ran up. Didn't even have spikes on or, or cleats. I was wearing just Chuck Taylor, black Chuck Taylor shoes. And uh, that was my first, it was towards the end of the season, so that was my first experience with it. That, as much as you can as a little kid, that now that winter, I just got big, right. and I got coordinated for a little, as far as a kid goes. Yeah. And uh, I really loved this baseball stuff, and we lived on a farm, so my brother and I would play, you know, pick up baseball up against the barn, against yeah. each other right. every day, all day, chart the games. Cincinnati Reds versus the Dodgers, line up. We'd, after every hit, you'd, we'd, we'd keep the scorebook cool. and keep a whole season. We were crazy. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, so my next year, I would play first base. And I was just cranking home runs, and it was great. And, uh, and we, you know, there's pitch limits for little kids. Right. And we ran out of pitchers. And I'll never forget Chuck Crewy, big Harley Davidson riding guy, big, huge beard. We, uh, we, meet at, we met at the mound. I was playing first base, and he asked me if I wanted to try pitching. And I'm like, okay. Will Gregory was the first kid I ever faced in my whole life, and he rode my bus, and we were friends. The first pitch I ever threw in my life 
I hit him, domed him right in the helmet. <laughs> oh, jeez. And, and I, I just, because I just you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. Um, of course, everybody was scared to death of me after that. But then I struck <laughs> out the next 13 kids in a row. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and from that point on, I was the pitcher. It was a wild, like a wild yeah. pitcher kind of story. Yeah. And then it was like, it was great. I was, then the word kind of got out, you know, I was like the best pitcher around. And we host, um, my town used to host all of these tournaments, huge tournaments. So they bring in Columbus, Newark. I mean, teams would come from Cincinnati, everywhere. Right. In like, so if you like, in some of these tournaments, if you got fifth, you did unbelievable. They have the brackets in the in the, the the main room where American Legion team. It was a great setup, yeah. and that's all I knew as a kid. You know, drinking the mix. You know, drinking, mixing all the drinks, right? And running around <laughs> playing cut ball. You know, after you got done playing, you'd go find the dirt on outside, and you would we little you know Throw little bouncy balls. You, kind yeah, of you, then you would hit it with your hand playing cut ball and run right. around, and it was just great. You know, there were no cell phones. There was none of that, and I remember thinking I was pretty hot stuff, and. Uh, we got to the championship game of that C League. We played a team out of Chillicothe, and we kept hearing about their stud player. And uh, so we got the championship game, and uh, the, the, that that player pitched against me, beat me, struck me out, hit a home run off me. She was a stud. She was a stud. It was a girl. Yeah. She was unbelievable. That's awesome. I don't know what ever happened to that girl, That's but she awesome. was playing for him, and she was some kind of she was good. That's awesome. So anyway, so. I know it's a long story, but no, like, um, so I, I, I was born, I was in the right town where I had such a great little league, um, you know, and there wasn't travel ball there. You had all-star teams at the end of the league and yeah, you play like yeah. in a tournament. Um, then of course American Legion ball, then, you know, then I played high school baseball. Um, and I just, I played football, basketball, and baseball. I just played all year round. Right. And, and American Legion would, would the state tournament would roll right into where I'd have, we start having our two a days. And then I'd play at night. Right. So, you know, now I know kids say, oh, I need to take some time off. I, I didn't, there was no I didn't think about that. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even say, gosh, what's your I just loved it. Right. And I, you just did it, you know? What else, and, what else was there to do? Yeah. You just played. Play. I said, yeah. that's what I got today. I've got yeah. two football practices and then I got a Legion game. Right. It's great, you know? <laughs> then crush food after, sleep, do it all again the next day. <laughs> and then, um, so I was, uh, so I was playing high school ball. And I just remember one day I was pitching a game and, there was some old guy with a radar gun um, behind, just standing behind the fence. And uh, he came up to me after the game and gave me a card to fill out, and he was a San Diego Padre scout. Wow. Um, by the time that season was over, I had like Kent State, um, you know, be all the MAC schools, um, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, ton, tons of schools recruiting me for baseball. It just, it really like, Wright State, I never remember, but Wright State coach came up to me almost like apologetically. It was because Michigan Ohio State was at, uh, we were playing at Wilmington and they were both there. And he got to me before them, say, hey, I know you almost like, hey, I know you got bigger fish to fry, but right. you've got a full ride of Rice State if you want it. <laughs> and, I'm, and I wasn't, I'm not that way at all. I was just, a, I'm just a country kid. I'm yeah. like, that blew me away. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It's great. So anyway, long story short, um, I ended up actually going, signing to go to, it was a tough, tough decision. So yeah. about a high between Ohio State and Michigan. And I wanted to go to Ohio State. And I, I don't want to ever speak ill of anybody, but I will say my, my recruiting trip today, I went to my grandpa because it was during the week when my parents were working. And it was less than, you know, it was, I was kind of like, oh, my grandpa didn't like it. He didn't right. like, they kind of just like, almost, I guess it was basically like, well, if you're going to play baseball in Ohio, it's got to be Ohio State. Okay. And I so died hurt, die hurt Buckeye. Yeah. But they had you in the yeah. back already. Then my mom and dad and I went to Michigan. 
and they rolled out the red carpet. They wine and dine my mom and dad. My mom was like, oh, and Michigan was loaded. Chris Abel, Barry Larkin, they had all those guys. And I was like, they were playing Minnesota. The field was awesome. And I was like, but I was really torn because I'm an Ohio kid. And I'm like, how can I go to Michigan? Um, Long story short, Michigan, Bo Schimbecker was the AD then. And that was the first time they got in trouble. They had some fishy stuff going on on scholarships and stuff. And so they they put the Bo Schimbecker where it's not very happy that was on his watch right and they put the hammer on there's a hockey thing there's a whole thing yeah but by that time danny hall who was the assistant coach at, at um, michigan had gotten the head job at kent state okay and i went to kent state on a recruiting trip and i, and I loved it I had a great time right um well so i didn't commit to michigan and he'd held a scholarship offered me a full ride and i went to kent state right and kent state like when i at least when i was a kid they were Powerhouse. Yeah. I think they probably still are. Yeah, when I got there, Danny Hall, he went to he went to Miami University down in Ohio. He was a Southern Ohio kid. When he went there to Kent, all the guys, so the upper class then when I got there, we were his first recruiting class. Right. Almost everybody on there was from Cleveland, Youngstown, um, Toledo, not necessarily baseball hotbeds. Right. And the weather's just different in Southern Ohio and yeah. we play so much more baseball and Cincinnati Dayton are pretty good hotbeds of baseball. Yeah, yeah. And um, so. Guy by Ken Griffey Jr. Yes. Oh, that there. was my year. I played against him all the time. Yeah. Oh, and P. Rose Jr., yeah. Adam Heisdu. We were all from the same thing. P. Rose Jr., all there. And it was like. Uh, so he comes in, and all the recruits, all of our new recruits, the farthest north was a pitcher from Reynoldsburg. Everybody was from the south. <laughs> yeah. And we were pretty dang good. Yeah. And it can't have been like, man. But from that point on, our freshman year, to today, right? They're a powerhouse now. Yeah. They they went to the College World Series. Um, they win the MAC. All the, I mean, they're stinking good. And now they've put tons of us. Tons of us have now played in the big leagues, right. or are still playing in the big leagues. Um, but anyway, so I, I go to Kent, and my first two years I played first base, and then I would come in and close. Okay. And then I, uh, then my junior year I started pitching. My, so if I close, if we didn't need me, I would start the last game of the league. Like okay. you play a league set right. over the weekend, I would throw the last game. And I played first base. So um, so the way I ended up in Willard is because I met my wife. She's from Willard. Okay. And she went to Kent. We met at Kent. Okay. So that's that's how Willard came in the picture down the road a little right. bit. Yeah. Um, and then I got I got drafted my junior year um, by the New York Mets. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with that with the Yankees and blah, blah, blah. But I got drafted with the Mets. Um, I signed. And uh, they sent me to uh, – I went to rookie ball in Kingsport, Tennessee. Yeah. And I, I dominated there. I was our closer. I had like a one point something ERA and uh, like 11 saves. And then they moved me up at the end of that season, short season. They moved me up to Columbia, which was at that time called the Columbia Mets. They ended up becoming Capital City Bombers later. But so yeah. Columbia, South Carolina. And I pitched one inning against the Augusta Pirates and Augusta, Georgia, struck out the side. And then we were, boom, we were in the, in the postseason. And we won it. So my first half a season, I won a professional ring That's we won the sally league right south atlantic league and i got a ring i'm like well that's great <laughs> so the next spring training they went i didn't go back there i made i jumped real fast yeah. and i went to st Lucie, florida which is where the Mets spring training is but it's also where their high a team is and i was there then i was stuck there for like three years because i was behind a bunch of prospects uh bill pulsifer um gosh a, a whole bunch of them um anyway and i just kind of toiled there for like two years in a ball didn't pitch a lot. Didn't have a lot of wear tear on my arm, but I'm lefty, and when I pitched, I did well. Right. But 
you know, when you get there, prospects are going to play, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. I, and I was a, when I say I got drafted by the Mets, I was drafted in the 17th round. So right. Right. I was drafted on the first day, but I basically got, got 8500 bucks. I held out because I had three semesters of school left and I had a full ride. And they picked up my school. Um, and then I got a pair of miter cleats. I don't mean miter even exists anymore. That's literally what I got. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So my year, that 1991 when I got drafted, that's when Brian Taylor of the Yankees got drafted. Um, and he was the first $1 million signing. Um, he was the number one pick for the Yankees. Yeah, he was the number one overall pick. Um, how the Yankees got that, who knows. Anyway, but it, but they had him. So, so anyway, um, I guess to speed it up, I went. I was there for a while. And then I got to double A and I was always a reliever. I did well in double A. And eventually when you've been there so long, teams, they can't hide you in the minor leagues forever. Right. So they have what's called a rule five draft. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the winter meetings um, and on the major league portion of the rule five draft, what that means is at some point teams have to put out what they're, who's on their 40 man roster to start the new baseball year. Right. If you're on that 40 man roster, you're protected. Okay. And your first goal as a player is to get on the 40-man roster because that puts your name out there. It starts your clock. You you go from making the minor leagues. So once you're in the 40-man two years in a row, then if you are in the minor leagues, you get one-third of the major league minimum. So you, okay. you, you make more money than you've ever made. Yeah. But you got to get on that 40-man first. And only those 40 guys, that, that's the only people that can be called up to the big leagues. They have, you have to be on the 40-man to get called up to the 25 man. Okay. So when you're sitting there in triple A or double A and you're on the 40 man, you're one of the guys that could be called up and moved down any time. Right. Um, so the Mets decided, so I was pitching in winter ball. I was in America, I was pitching for Zulia in uh, Venezuela. <laughs> so it was my first year pitching down there. Karen, my wife and I were down there and I knew the, I knew the draft was coming up. Um, it's, you know, it's Christmas time, it's January, whatever, like there, it's right December. Right. And I've been doing well down there. And I'm like, fingers crossed I'm gonna get put on the 40 man and be protected well I didn't get put on the 40 man so um then I knew the rule five draft was coming and it's that's such a crapshoot I mean you don't know if anybody's interested in you or not right well the Boston Red Sox rule five being the major league portion so they took me that meant I was on their 40 man roster so then my first big league spring training was with the Boston Red Sox so I go from the minor leagues I get to Boston and here I am this young guy and of all the places to go to spring training, when I tell you the names that were in my first big league camp, Roger Clemens, Tim Wakefield, Mike Greenwell, Tim Naring, Mike Stanley, Kevin Mitchell, Reggie Jefferson, um, Jose Canseco. Um, it was crazy. Yeah. And that was also at the same time where, and I'd be in the locker room and they were just giving Jose Canseco a hard time because he had been dating Madonna. That was during that whole time. And right, I, it was right. so surreal to me yeah. that I'm just this kid from Hillsborough, Ohio, and I'm just locker getting, yeah. sharing. And these two guys are talking about Madonna, right. like that him dating Madonna. It's Jose Canseco, you know? And, but man, it, it was great. It was, uh, I did really well. Um, I, there's tons of stories I could tell you about that camp, but it was, it was, it was good trial by fire. It was great. I did well. They actually broke camp, and this Brad Pennington, big, big left-handed pitcher, threw hard, but he was real wild and really right. consistent. Well, of course, he goes and has a great spring training, too. So they decided they're going to keep him on. He's going to make the team out of spring, and uh, Dan Duquette was the GM for the Red Sox, wanted to try to get the Mets to pull a trade. Because if they don't keep you on the 40-man roster, the team that took you, they have to, you have to go back. 
that they, your team that you got okay. roll five from gets a chance to give back twenty five thousand because they had to pay fifty thousand for me. So the Red Sox gave them that fifty thousand dollars for me. Right. I'm not sure that what it is now, but that's what it was then. Yeah. And they kept trying to work a deal with the Mets because if Brad Pennington didn't work out, they wanted to have me right there, and boom. So it really cost me one year at the big leagues because then Brad Pennington did end up not doing well. Right. And I would have been in the in the big leagues a year earlier with the Red Sox. Yeah. But instead, the Mets bought me back. They wouldn't trade. I went back, and I got sent to AAA. And Bobby Valentine had just come back from Japan, his first stand managing in Japan, and he was our AAA manager. So we played our first homestand, and I was in the bullpen. I didn't pitch much. So we went on the road, and I think we were in Rochester, New York, and I needed to throw a touch-and-feel bullpen earlier in the day because I just hadn't been out there. Right. So I'm pitching, and I'm throwing my pitches, and I, I've got a four-seamer, a two-seamer. Uh, you know, curve, get me over, curveball, good slider, and my, my major league pitch was my changeup. Well, he doesn't really know me because I had just came, wasn't there very long. Right. And uh, so I'm, uh, he's watching me throw, and he's like, does you ever start? I was like, well, I'm in college. And so I guess you should be a starter. I finished my bullpen. The next day he calls me in the office and says, I'm uh, sending you down to double A. And I'm like, I was crushed. Yeah. I, I, had, I had done what I needed to do at double A. And, and double A is really the jump because you go from a lot of tri- uh, single A teams, everybody that's in double A, because then there's, every team has one double A team. Right. Every team, every player that's in double A can play in the big leagues physically. They've got the tools to do it. From that point on, it's the mental grind. Right. Because right. baseball will eat you up quick. The big leagues will, it's, most of it's based on failure. It is adjustments, adjustments. It's tough. Yeah. And if you're a young kid, you can be great and get sent too early, and you'll never get back because right. mentally you'll just, you can't do it. So double A is where you get, that's your first jump. And then triple A is where they really polish you because you get a mix of old guys who've already been in the big leagues who are still hanging on. Yeah. You, know, you get a polished, that's where they finish you off like to get Durham, you ready. Bull Durham stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you start facing some big leaguers, and you yeah. kind of get used to how it is. You're getting a little older. Anyway. So I'm like, gosh dang, I earned AAA. And then he told me, because it's, it's not a demotion. I just, it's the only place we have a spot right now in the rotation. So I go, and of course my first start is a doubleheader. It's a seven inning, there's seven inning yeah. games. And I'm throwing against the Trenton Thunder. Well, who are the Trenton Thunder? I'm in Binghamton, New York. Well, the Trenton Thunder is the double-A team of the Red Sox. <laughs> Ken Maka so is their manager. And I knew a bunch of guys on the team because we were some of them. Well, because so, so here are the two guys. That, here's these guys, two other guys that was their first big league camp with me at the Red Sox. And we all showed up early, so we all worked out together, got to be right. good friends. Right. Was Jeff Supon, myself, and Nomar Garcia Parra. So it was us three. And, uh, and um, Scott Hatterberg, okay. which is yeah. the Moneyball kid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I got to know Scott real well. He was with the Red Sox, too, coming up as a catcher. Right. So we were all there. So they're on that team. And I throw seven innings, my first start ever, and I throw a no-hitter. It was a seven-inning oh, no-hitter. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And um, there's a real good story because all those years later, Ken Maka, who was the manager on that team, be- when I later on when I coached with the Brewers, became we hired him as our manager. And we were at the winter meetings in Nashville. We're up in our, our team suite. He walks in. Doug Melvin's our GM, introduces him to everybody, and he introduces him to me. And... He says real gruffly, and I you know, use some swear words, right. but he said, I know who the, he is. Yeah. And I'm like, my eyes got big. He goes, 
He's the, he's the guy that threw a no-hitter against me. I called. I'm the one that wrote the report said we should rule five, rule five him. And then they sent it back. That night, I called and says, hey, remember that guy I said you should keep? He just threw a no-hitter against my ass. Oh. <laughs> and I ended up pinning it off. He was awesome. Like, yeah. I, Ken, he's still an awesome man. And he treated me so great as a manager. But that's the first thing I do is, is that story, because that's many, many, many moons later yeah. that he brings that out. I had no idea. And he goes, I rule five that guy. He throws a no-hitter against me. He goes, great move, Nike. It was pretty fun. So anyway, yeah. Um, so then I'm at AA, and I go 5-0 and o with a 1.5. And they send me back AAA. And I finished the year there. And uh, as a starter, we went to playoffs, whatever. And then uh, I went back to... Venezuela for the winter because you got to play. Yeah. I go back to Venezuela and this time that's did put me on the 40 man. So then I go to the big league camp and I do great. And every day at big, big league camp is, it's real stressful. Yeah. It's, it's a different big league camp is very different depending on who you are. Right. So if you're an established veteran, let's say you're an established veteran pitcher with a guaranteed contract, you're rolling in. You don't have to be there every day. You're there your days, you do your work, then you're off and you go golfing. Right. And yeah. you're just getting your work in until the season starts. Yeah. If you're a 40-man kid, you're giddy, but they're asking you to do all kinds of stuff, and you're just trying to, you know, show well. Some kids get invited, but then on the first cuts, they know they're young, and boom, they send them back over to Myron League camp. Right. But they got their first big league camp, got some big league meal money, you know, their first taste of it. Then there's guys who are hanging on, who are non-roster invitees, trying to make a name for themselves. Hopefully somebody else sees them. Somebody will need somebody somewhere. But that cut process just keeps happening. They keep narrowing it down, and it's tough to make a team if you're not already one of the guys or a handful of guys that are fighting for those extra spots. Um, Anyway, and it's our last day. We're playing over in Melbourne, Florida against the Marlins, and and the team is actually going to leave early and go out to Vegas because the Mets were opening up on a West Coast trip. So they were going to go to Las Vegas because the New York, New York Hotel and Casino was having a grand opening, just open. And the Mets, are, we were going to stay there, and they were going to play like the Padres and the Mariners at the Las Vegas Stars AAA thing. They were going to play a couple days, and then boom, they're going to San Diego to start the season. So Bobby Valentine at the game says, well, I guess you're probably wondering, right? And I'm just like, yes, sir. He goes, tell your, tell your lovely wife to go ahead and pack your bags, pack your car, and put it on the thing to ship it to New York. You made the team. That's incredible. So I am, obviously, because <laughs> I had said nothing. So we go home, call all my family, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Boom, the next day. And it was a wife's trip. They also made it a wife's trip. So all the wives, so my wife got to go with me on my first big league trip. So we go out to Vegas. I've never been here in my life. My agent has all this stuff in our hotel room for us celebrating. We went and saw a show. We're just having a great time. Playing a couple days. So now it's the last day. And Kara's still at the hotel doing whatever. And just, you know, you don't have cell phones and all that stuff. Right. And it's, we're at batting practice. And... Bobby Valentine's walking out through the outfield. I'm in the outfield shagging balls during BP, throwing them back in. Finally, he's up to me and goes, hey, Jojo. I'm like, hey, he's handy to talk to you. I'm like, yeah, what's up, Skip? He's like, man, I lied to you. And I'm like, sir? He's like, Steve uh, Steve Phillips was our GM. He goes, Steve just called me. We just claimed Yorkus Perez off waivers. And I was the only guy that had options. So I was going to have to go down. I was devastated. So I have to go. So I packed all my, had to pull my stuff off the right, off the trucks, because they had everything ready to go. I'm sitting outside in the hot sun outside while they're playing the game. And what was really cool, John Franco, Greg McMichael, a whole bunch of them, they all came out and were like hugging me and it's like, you'll be right back. Like they were like, you know, they said so it was cool. Right. I got to find Kara. So 
Find Kara. We have to stay an extra night in Vegas. So I have my papers, my option down papers. And they left a note, you and your wife enjoy your extra night in Vegas. I was miserable. I didn't leave my room. Right. I couldn't even have the heart. I had to have Kara call all my people and tell them false alarm. Right. The next day, they pay for Kara to fly to New York City, where she's never been in her life. She's going to fly to New York City, get herself to Shea Stadium, get our car with all our stuff in it, and then drive to Norfolk, Virginia. I flew to back to Florida for one day, and they broke camp, AAA. And then we flew to Ottawa, Canada, and we we're going to have four-game series in April in Ottawa, which is always brutal. <laughs> and I was going to start the fifth game, the first game in Scranton, Wilkesbury. So I go to Ottawa, Canada. Rick Dempsey's our manager, and he was big on every day, the starting pitchers, because there's five of us. If you weren't pitching, you had a job. So, like, one day you were in the stands with the video camera. The next day you were charting their pitcher. The next day you're charting your pitcher. The another day you had the the radar gun. Okay. So I had to sit for four days, miserable, while my wife is trying to get to New York City. I sit in, in, in Ottawa for four days, up in the stands, freezing my tail off. <laughs> then we, and they didn't even give us a getaway day game. We had to play a night game in Ottawa, Canada. And we got on a bus, and we drive from Ottawa, Canada, all the way to Scranton, Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. We get in about 2, 2 a.m. in the morning. And Juan Acevedo, right-handed pitcher, was my roommate. He was in his room before me. I get to the room, and he's like, hey, uh, Skipper wants you down in his room. He's in a room, blah, blah, whatever. I was like, what does he want? He's like, I don't know. I go down, knock on it. He goes, come on in. I go in, and he goes, hey. He goes, hey, congratulations, man. You're going to the big leagues. And I'm like, he goes, he goes, well, maybe not. And I'm like, what? He's like, well, something's going on with Pete Harnish. So by this time, the team is in, is in L.A. They were done playing in San Diego. They're in L.A. He goes, yeah, you're going to catch the red eye. I caught a flight from Scranton, Wilkesbury. I never went to bed. So think about this. I was up that whole day, right? We had a night game. Right. So that whole day I was up from like 10 in the morning to whatever. Now it's 2 in the morning. I had to get a cab. I go to Scranton, Wilkesbury, fly a puddle jumper from Scranton, Wilkesbury <laughs> to Pittsburgh, and then get on a flight to L.A. Okay? That's to think about. So I'm up that whole day and night. Now I'm into the next day. I fly across the country. I've never been there in my life. So I get to LAX. They tell me I'm supposed to get a cab. The hotel is in downtown LA. I get there. I'm half scared because I'm going to be a room because they told me I might be. If Harnish is okay, you're just going going to fly back. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is is how close I'm going to get. I'm going to see Dodger Stadium and I'm never going to get a play there. So what happens? I get there. Um, one of our pitchers had to rehab, and he sees me because I got my room. I had a room, and I just sat in the lobby. I saw nobody. He comes walking by. He goes, "Craw, Daddy." He's like, "Yeah, yeah." He goes, "Hey, what's coming? I got to head to the field anyway, early for to get work in." So, boom, get in there. Here we go. So I'm going. All of a sudden, I know. I come into the big parking lot, Chavez Ravine, and I'm boom. They drop us off, and I walk, and there's Dodger Stadium, and I'm just like, and I've got my AAA bag, right. and we walk. I'm on the grass. I'm on the dirt. We get in the locker room. We get in, get in their old locker room. They got new ones now. But I get there, and I've got a locker. So I put my stuff there. Boom. With the pitcher, he takes off. And I'm just sitting in my locker. I don't know what to do, so I'm just sitting there. <laughs> it, I don't know how long I sat there. And then some young kid, I call him a young kid. He's a young guy right. in his 20s. But he was like a, um, an intern or whatever for like their media department. Mm-hmm. He comes walking by, and he's kind of startled. And he sees me, and then he looks up and sees my name tag. He goes, oh, hey, man, congratulations. And I'm like, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, they told me, and I was just mumbling. He goes, oh, no, they put Harnish on the DL. 
So this kid so that is kid who told me when I was in the big leagues. <laughs> Nobody else is there yet. So I'm like, so I get a second win. So now I've been up a day, a night, and a right. day, and it's a three-hour difference. <laughs> right. So I'm going to have more day to live. So I get my second win, and there I am. I go off. Team shows up. Everybody's pumped. We're having a great time. Batting practice. It's L.A. People are coming. It's just so surreal. Yeah. Game starts. You know, I'm in the big leagues. And game keeps going. I know I'm taking a long time with the story, but this yeah. is my call-up story. Yeah, and yeah. Long story short, the game goes extra innings. Yeah. Two times I fall asleep in the bullpen. I am so dead <laughs> tired. And then I've been up forever. Yeah. And like, so then it keeps going. And 15th inning, there's nobody left. I've been down there by myself. Yeah. 15th inning, they call down and tell me to warm up and then to sprint down here because I'm going to pinch hit for John Franco in the 15th, <laughs> and then I'll go and pitch the bottom of the 15th. <laughs> I have no bat, I have nothing. I get on there, and by that time, they're brought in the next day starter, Pedro Astachio, throwing nasty two-seamers. Yeah. I swung all three times, but I struck out. But when I first stepped in the box, I looked up, and the diamond vision was a close-up of my face, live, looking at me, and I, and I had to call time. I said, time out, time out, time out. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, okay, just, just look at the picture, just look at the picture. It was crazy. It was a, I mean, that's a moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. So then I had that. Then that was the third out. And then I went out, and I, I ended up getting a loss on one under run because um, Butch Husky had come in to, make, to play third. I got a double play ball, and he freaking double clutch. Brett Butler stays safe at second base. Um, I walked my first guy, Gagne. Um, sorry, Greg Gagne. I walked yeah. him. And then Todd Zeal was my next guy. I got him out. Um, I ended up. By that time, Piazza was out of the game. Tom Prince comes up, the backup catcher, hits a ground ball to John Allerud. I'm running. Ollie throws it behind me. I go like this to stretch to get it, to try to get it. He beats me, but Butler never stopped running for us. I didn't even get a ball past me, except for the one to Allerud, a little soft ground ball. Right. And he ran all the way. I turned to him. He's safe at home. And I was all I wanted to do was go to bed. Yeah. I was so tired. <laughs> yeah. It was just it all happened so fast. But that was my major league debut, and and the whole reason was uh. P. Harnish had stopped dipping, right. and it's like it threw him off or managed. I don't know what it was, yeah. but they put him in the DL to deal with it. The craziness, right? And That's here I was. Insane. My wife doesn't even know that I'm in the big leagues. My parents don't even know because that, there was the way <laughs> I had a chance to tell anybody. And you make your debut, yeah. That's and crazy. people call my parents because somehow they saw it on TV somewhere. Blah blah blah. It was so nuts. Um, so that was my that was my major league debut, yeah. and it was pretty crazy. So um, I mean, when when I. Like, like I said, you're one of the only people I know with a Wikipedia page. I, I read that and it said, ironically enough, his major league debut wasn't at bat as, yeah. as a pitcher. And, just, yeah, and it was, and I, I got inserted in the game. And so the Philadelphia Inquirer calls my home, home, my hotel room the next day. And the reporter wants to talk to me. Right. He says, I set a record. And I'm like, what record? <laughs> he goes, as far as we can tell, as far as, far, as far as Elias goes back. So I'm the only person. And everybody forgets those records, me and my mom, of right, course. Right. But so on, I can't remember what the date was now, but on that date, at 11-whatever, I made my major league debut as a position player because I pinch hit. Right. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't hitting as a pitcher. I got, when you pinch hit, you're a position player. Right. I went in as a position player. And it was like, that's kind of like the little double switch kind of thing. Right? Yeah, so okay. I went in as a position player, made my, de- that was my major league debut. It turned midnight. The next day, but in the same game, I made my major league debut as a pitcher. <laughs> same game, two different days. Made, yeah, so it was pretty. That is super crazy. Cool. So really minuscule, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. and I'm telling you, it was 
of course that's how it went down. It was right. so crazy. Right. Um, yeah. Insane. Then you know I, you know I still have people who would tell me from my hometown because we all I grew up a huge Reds fan. Yeah. And I have people who just all want to be a part of it. They were all pretty proud too. Yeah. And I had people tell me like, oh, I was down here when you beat the Reds. And I don't have the heart to tell them that that was in New York. Right, and, right. But my first, ma- my, my first major league win was against uh, my hometown team, the Reds. That's I beat cool. the Reds. They had Deion Sanders, Hal right. Morris, all those guys. Right. That was my first win. But here's a crazy story for you. Yeah. You being an Indians fan. Yeah. So my freshman year at Kent, Danny Hall, it's towards the end of the baseball season. It's fall, so major league season's in September. Right. And we're in school. He brings the whole team, takes us to the old – Cleveland Stadium. Yeah. Cecil Fielder had just came back and was playing for the team. Came back from Japan. And he was playing for the Tigers and all those home runs. Yeah. They're playing. He hits three home runs that game, and then they intentionally threw it in the dirt and wouldn't let him hit a fourth. Right. But he did. He hit three home runs in that game. But the crazy thing about that game is you can watch the starting pitcher for the Indians because they would warm up right behind, right past the dugout, just right there. And you could right. stand on the fence and they just throw him. The starting pitcher for the Indians that night was Tom Candiotti throwing his knuckleballs and all right. that. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching him. And I'm just I'm just blown away. I'm an 18-year-old kid. If I could go back in time, I could I could legitimately say to Tom Candiotti, "Excuse me, Mr. Candiotti, you don't know me. I'm only an 18-year-old, but in 1997, you're still going to be playing, but you're going to be playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And my first major league start I'm going to start against you. That's cool. And I did it. And at Shea Stadium, That's incredible. my first actual start was me versus Candiotti. That's and I beat him 3-1. to 3-1. to one. <laughs> Yeah, I pitched great that game. So how did you get into into the coaching? Okay. I mean, where yeah. where's, so, like, where'd you end yeah. up? So on? after the big leagues, they sold my contract. Um, now my wife was pregnant. And I was older. It took me, a long, it took me long to yeah. get to the big leagues. And I was, a, I was a marginal guy. I was a... You know, I was actually I wasn't like the guy who was going to be. Oh, he's our 15-year starter, right. Tom Glavin. You know, right. but I did well enough, and my numbers are great. You, you um, gotta, yeah, got to win so, in the major leagues. Yeah. Like, you, you got four of them. Thank four you. Of them, four <laughs> of them. Yeah. Anyway, sure? I'm more than anybody yeah. else. They sold my contract to uh, Japan, okay. and so I had to agree to go there, and I did. Um, and it was so I played there for two years in their major leagues for the same team that Bobby Valentine had managed when he was over there, the Chiba Latte <laughs> Marines. And that message is from you. <laughs> anyway, so that's what I did. And um, then after that, after I played with her for two years, that, that's what really set me up as far as my family and I with money and all that kind right. of stuff. That was, there's a lot of great stuff about over there. A lot of stuff I wish we would get, we would do in this country. Right. Like, right. you know, as far as like respecting your elders and mm-hmm. how you treat, like they do some things right. Now there's some things I didn't like, <laughs> but there's some things they do right over there right. for sure. Right. Anyway, I came back, uh, I went to big league camp with the Brewers, bounced around AAA. Uh, then I played in Mexico. I, I played in the Mexico, their, their, their Mexican AAA. Right. Um, played in Puerto Rico. I was, I was playing everywhere. Older guy hanging on. Yeah. Then I went and uh, then I signed back with the Mets and had one last spring training with the Mets, bounced around. And at the end of that season, I ended up, I was in Mexico, and then the Diamondbacks signed me. And then the Diamondbacks actually went to the World Series that year. I signed with the Diamondbacks. And, uh, and, and then, um, I, uh, yeah, so the Dimebacks, the last team I finished with in yeah. AAA with them. And then I, I retired, um, because I got offered a pitching coach job. Um, well, actually I went, I'd also, I'd, I'd also bounced around independent ball yeah. and played at the, the Atlantic Bluefish in the Atlantic League. <laughs> I'd been everywhere, literally everywhere. Um, you know, moved up, moved down, traded, released, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, 
then I got offered the pitching coach job there. So I went there and was the pitching coach there for two years. And then my third year I signed, the the Brewers hired me right. as the, they were, they wanted to get a kind of an Academian guy who went to school for it. And then a former, I just kind of fell in her lap. They needed left-handed BP. Right. They wanted somebody who graduated college and had a head on the shoulders yeah. and understood baseball. And myself and a guy named uh, Carl Miller, who's, is one of the VPs now. He's up there. He's real high with the Brewers. Yeah. We kind of started our whole advanced scouting. Now using the numbers and the and, and the, really the beginning of it, the, the the crazy shifts. We were doing that from the beginning. Right. And and I was the next thing I know I was there for 13 years. Um, and the only reason I'd still be there right now. But um, my I was as my kids got older. I have two daughters, yeah. and I started missing. I was missing everything. And then so after 2016, I told them I was retiring, and they they. They said they would call it a hiatus. Right. I, I've been there a long time. 13 years on one team in the big leagues is a long time. Right. And so I got to know everybody. And I know the door would be open if, they, if I wanted to come back and do something. But they, they knew because they saw my daughters grow up because they spent so much time in, in Wisconsin. Right. And Wisconsin's a great place. Yeah. And um, I got to come home and see my both my daughters play high school, college basketball. And, right. and here I sit. Yeah. But uh, getting this job and being an assistant principal – it's like I kind of it's like buying a car off eBay. <laughs> it looked good on eBay, but you know, whew, there's a lot to it. Trying to do both, right. and I had to go back to school to become yeah. get my you know because I was a finance major. So there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Yeah. But as I sit here, and it was a tell, definitely worth it. And and I, I stink and love Willard. I mean, Willard's been great to my family, yeah. great to my kids. I'm so glad that my daughters played here and right. and left their mark here. And I love it. I'm a pretty diehard Willard Crimson Flash. <laughs> So, I mean, spring training is, is right now. I mean, and, you know, I talked to you earlier in the week, and you're like, man, I, I still have that itch. Oh, yeah. I mean, tell me, tell me about that, that itch. I mean, yeah. that, I mean, how tough is it to kind of like, – you're busy now with tournament oh, yeah. season, so it kind of it's occupies hard. your mind. Because yeah, you always knew when winter was over. Being a northern guy, right? whatever day was report day, you got on a plane – and it was bad. Yeah. And when you got there, you got out, you're in Phoenix right. or Florida, and right. it's all, it's great. Yeah. Um, stressful time, though, like I said, it can be really stressful spring training, and as I got older, being away from your family. But there's nothing like it, you know. Yeah. It's, it's You get to mingle with the fans more. Right. It's it's still more like the minor leagues. Um, but it's just beautiful every day, and it's it's always like renewal. It's like always starting over because yeah. everybody's 0-0, and, and you're hoping, and everybody's hoping about something. They're hoping to make the team. They're hoping we're going to win. You know, they're hoping for a contract. Everybody's hoping for something. Right. It's like it's hope. like hope yeah. springs eternal, you know, spring, yeah, spring and, and uh, I loved it. Now, once I started being a coach, it was very, very busy, a completely different thing. I had a lot of work I had to do, really? yeah, a lot of demands, and because you because I was split I had to I'm on the field I'm throwing BDPP I'm running catchers drills I'm in charge of pitchers I, I got a lot of duties but in the morning I got to get there because we have all our scouting meetings okay. and then I got to get all the coaches stuff ready and video and then Ryan Braun wants to see all of this from last year and they're long days they're not near as long when you're a player right they're long days when you're a coach you know you hear about football coaches and all that you're there you're you you know I was it's kind of like I'd be an AD and assistant principal now I never leave Willard <laughs> everybody thinks I have a bed in the house you know yeah, but um yeah. and uh but there were times when I'd go home for like four hours and I'm back at the right. field so it's it's a heck of a grind but you know spring it's just it's just nice if you can take your family with you 
is oh, the best. You be, it's like paid vacation. Right, yeah, right. pretty great. Yeah. At least for them, you right, know. Right. So yeah, yeah, I mean, like in my when I was kind of picturing, I've you know I've obviously never been around it, but when I was picturing you know spring training, I feel like it's kind of might have been like a, a kind of a drag a little bit because it's, it feels like it would be a lot slower. But just the behind the scenes yeah. things that you had to do. Man, oh it's, yeah, it's, it's, but it's, I my personal opinion is spring training could be shorter. Yeah, but they play a month of games because for those communities they have those spring training places there and they right. make it brings money into the into phoenix and into all those communities that have a spring training place so you got to play all those games you don't really need that many games and by the time you get the end players are they're ready to go right so it does drag at the end yeah um it takes a little while you want to get to the games so those first two weeks of spring you're kind of getting used to everything the bumps and bruises you get through all the soreness you know you can only cover as a pitcher you're you're covering first base a gazillion times you're doing pitchers fielding <laughs> practice every day comebackers it gets old it does get tiring so you just want to get to the games and get in your routine and then right at the end especially when you're in phoenix right at the end of spring it also starts to get hot in phoenix so you're also like <laughs> you're ready, to go. ready to go yeah so but it's at the end of the day it ain't breaking bricks. It's right. it's pretty fun. Right, right. Yeah. Cool, man. I, I appreciate you taking the time. It's yeah, no a lot of fun just hearing the story and and uh, you know just and I'm talking to a record holder. So that that's cool right there. So. Yeah, you, me, and my mom. That's yeah. who knows. <laughs> right, right. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. You got it.